I'm Amber. Hi, I'm Charlotte. Hi, I'm Corinne. Hi, I'm Danielle. Hi, I'm Kelly. And together we are Unfiltered, where the her is no longer silent. Unfiltered is the coming together of five neurodivergent women, and together we will be discussing all things neurodiversity. Autism, ADHD, parenting, being parent carers, inclusion, and how these are led by our experiences of womanhood. All voices are welcome here and we do not discriminate. Our goal is to create a real, inclusive, safe space and community for everyone to be their unfiltered self. This space is all about community and not competition, empowering others through their differences and removing stigma. Whether you are here for yourself or a loved one, you are welcome here. So come and join us in this unfiltered conversation today. Just a quick disclaimer before we begin. Even though we discuss certain medical conditions such as autism and ADHD, we are not medical professionals and cannot offer any medical advice. And this is not a diagnostic tool. This is a tool to be used in terms of your education and to gain support and clarity. But please don't take any medical advice from this. If you do have any concerns, please go and speak to your GP. Also, please note we are all neurodiverse, so you're going to get a lot of talking over each other. We're going to swear a little bit, and sometimes we're going to forget what we're saying mid-sentence, and that's okay. This is a female-based platform that aims to empower the voices of women who often, especially within the neurodivergent community, tend to be lost. As we are all females, we are all born females, we can only give our lived experience as females. But obviously, regardless of gender, you are welcome here as this aims to be an inclusive space. I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, I'm wearing leopard print because it would have been Lucy's birthday today. So I thought I'd oh, wear leopard print. Birthday, Lucy. I'm wearing leopard print. Hold on, I'll show you. <laughs> I'm wearing a dress and leather trousers. So um, Oscar's day five today, totally dry. Right. That's brilliant. Because they put in such a bonkers incontinence plan for him. And I was like, the kid's got PDA. Yeah. Like, you've got demands all over the shop here. I suggest that we remove them all and just see what he does. He started going, I need the way. And now he don't even ask me, he just takes himself in there. Yesterday I walked past, I went, you all right, mate? And he went, I'm just having a piss. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, um, but he's been dry. So this morning I went in there and I said, come on, mate. Because obviously the mornings are really difficult for him getting up transitioning from night to day it's like massive he he, he just shouts out no die <laughs> um and now in the mornings we've got focus it's mm. like come on mate we've got to get out of bed got to have a wee because he's busting he's been dry all night but day five i can't believe it amazing amazing but- just got in so that's why my hair's all like you know it all sticks together do me then but <laughs> i'm just oh i'm just exhausted from this I mean, I'm trying. I've got level three in um, first aid at work. So, oh, well done. any of you ever need CPR, oh. I'll be your girl. Oh, <laughs> oh, amazing. So well done. But, yeah, no, I think it's a good life skill to have, especially when you've got kids and same kids yeah. that are like prone to, you know, more shit going on. So, I did yeah. it 12 years ago, but I hardly remember anything that I learned. But I did mine through work when I worked for the police. Did I was you? First aid are. Did you have to do the defibrillation, the defibrillator when you got yeah. in? Yeah. But I've good luck with me now. After a certain amount of my like there's a certain time frame, I'll remember something. And then once it gets to a certain point, it's all I need to do it's it. Again. Yeah. In that situation. It was good. You, um, you have to probably, refresh yeah. it every three years, don't you? Yeah. 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 It's been like 12 years since I've Oh, look how cute this <laughs> is. I keep a notepad, yeah, so every day I just write a list of everything that I've got to do. Mm. Oscar must have got me a Look, He's drawn me a little picture. Aww. Aww. It's like a little robot. <laughs> but he, he draws the cutest pictures and then he gets a pen and he scribbles it out. That's really common. Look at this one. Remy, Remy made me for my notice board. Oh. Oh, see, if Oscar did that, he would ruin it then. What, why do they do that? So oh, she does that sometimes. That's why this room. one's pinned up high on the notice board. I had some lovely ones on the fridge and she decided that she was going to do some kind of presentation and then she just ripped a couple of them to Yeah, that's what Oscar like, does. No. He does loads of little drawings and then he rips them all up. Yeah. I never did it as a kid, so I I can't... I don't know. Yeah, it was a full moon last night and it's literally like a full moon in. It's... I'm feeling busy. 
I'm yeah. feeling creative. I've lots of lists. I'm feeling a lot of energy, but I'm also yeah. feeling like I'm being a bit counterproductive to myself as well. You know, yeah. like when you want to get it done, but you're not. And yeah. you know, like, I've got dramas with milk at the moment. That's running out for Oscar. I've got a, a discrepancy with the DWP for him. I've also got to get some quotes for his new buggy. It feels like it's all going to come to this massive, great big yes. We've sorted out all our problems, but it's all coming to a head. Um, Yeah, and I've got big hair. You know yeah. what? It's Friday. I'm wearing leopard print. I'm not cooking tonight. <laughs> I'm feeling good. Yeah. We've been on the radio, Corinne, haven't we? Yesterday. Yeah, we have. <laughs> uh, we I'm did still not uh, over it. We did Gateway Radio because our uh, thing's out Monday and we're doing another radio mm. show on Monday. We are on Monday. Oh, oh yeah, I only, really only remembered earlier. <laughs> that's pre recording I, I like pre record better because then you're not like a deer in headlights. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you do live radio, you've got to always be thinking, right, okay, I can't talk when they're talking. I've got to wait one beat until they're finished. I can't interrupt. I can't mm. get overexcited. And it's yeah. so hard, isn't it, I'll to not get overexcited yeah. and just blur this is why I prefer pre-record it because like it's the ending of the conversation. You know, when like you do the buys and you're like, bye, bye, bye. And then like it feels so awkward. Like, mm. see ya. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it was good. It was good. Um Yeah, because in live, yeah. when you do a live and they say goodbye to you, bang, they're gone, mate. Yeah, the screen's black. We're all quite positive. I think all of our yeah. welcomes there, where we just spoke about how the week's been. Yeah. I think there's a there's more positive there's there's always more well, positive always, there than yeah it was always positive. I think it's a hard one, especially like with socials, like because my brand, as it were, I try and be quite balanced with how mm. I do. I don't like the whole toxic positivity where people are like, no, but having autism is great and being autistic is great and having autistic children, it's all wonderful and it's shit. And I think. Like, it's great if you genuinely feel like that, but I don't think anyone actually genuinely feels like that. So I think it's good to kind of talk about a bit of everything and the highs and the lows. And, yeah, there's... I always say the highs and the lows are the most important part because Mm. you can't... You can't... Not everyone's happy, lappy all day, every day. And it's it's not the way our lives live. So to connect people, you've got the balance of both sides. I think my approach is, like... I try to focus yeah. a lot of my energy on the positives mm-hmm. whilst acknowledging the negatives and like no, like giving that support when it's needed, but trying to put my main focus on the positives because I find that things start to shift more towards the positive because that's the energy I'm giving out. So it's what we attract mm-hmm. and it, it has worked for us quite well. Yeah, 100%. And I like a reframe. I like to meet people where they're at. Yeah. You know, like, because then you validate their struggle, don't you? You know, like, we don't meet a lot of our targets, but we still celebrate absolutely everything because where mm-hmm. he's at, that's massive. Yeah. So it might not be massive to everyone else. So I think so you yeah. should always reframe things because it, even in a negative, if you if you make the target smaller, there's always a positive there. There's always a positive in everything. Yeah. If you have realistic targets that are achievable. There's no point in me saying, oh, I'm going to buy Oscar a bike this weekend. And he's going to be riding it by Sunday. No, he's not. Because that's not a realistic target based mm-hmm. on where he's at. That's that's a generic target of 10-year-old boys. But actually where he's at, we, we might need to just sit on the bike for a little while first with some stabilizers on and get off again and celebrate that we've done that. And then that would still be a positive. So I do think it's about mindset and how you look at things. It's about perspective. Yeah. That? But like, it's just great. It's always good, isn't it? If there's always yeah. positive. Do you know what I mean? Even yeah, because even... Family. You know, like, when you said about unrealistic, so, like, if a child, for example, I had this conversation with, with a family, actually, who they were struggling because there was a lot of anxiety with, with their child. And after a conversation, I realised that there was a lot of focus on that child's struggles. So I'll give you, for example, a child who's dyslexic, a lot of the support they get in school is constantly trying to almost erase their dyslexia, but they're going Mm -hmm. to be a dyslexic adult one day and they're always going to have challenges in that area. So rather than focus on that 
you know, that side of things, that's never going to change and kind of just constantly highlighting to that child that this is, you've got something wrong with you in a way like that. Mm. How about looking for their strengths and shining a light on that to give them mm. the confidence to then approach their struggles? Yeah. And they was like, oh my God, we never thought of that. So I was like, okay, cool. So when your child is in class and they're doing, say, I don't know, creative writing, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, I can, I can, I can, guess yeah that your child's probably the most creative in that class probably has the best ideas when it comes to writing the stories they just struggle with you know the spelling and the writing and and so on how about rather than focusing on trying to make them be like everyone else with you know their struggles that aren't ever going to go away so they can't anyway it's just a wasted effort why don't you put some reasonable adjustments in place and help that child to get those amazing ideas out because it's kids like that who change the world, who mm-hmm. are people who go down in history and are innovative and creative and have all these amazing ideas, but instead they're being restricted because you're too busy focusing on trying to teach them about spellings and so on. Yeah. And we got contacted not long after and there was like, it's completely changed our world. He's now confident because we're focusing on, you know, the amazing things he has to offer. And now he's approaching you know with a confident and can-do attitude which is really it's got better results as well mm-hmm. and that's that's you know, know what things people that, don't think of that's reminded me of something that someone said to me once was um albert einstein who they reckon was autistic um is autistic his he struggled at school and instead of making him conform his mum took him out and he had no homeschooling, but she, he had a obsession and focus on science. And this is where, obviously, he did a lot. Um, and she encouraged that. And look look what he got. Look how amazing he did. Yeah. And that is something that stuck with me because that's, he's, you know, a person that we all look up to or we all know of being and doing great things, well, but didn't have no education and struggled at school. Did you know He's the first person recorded to wear sensory clothing because Albert Einstein would only wear the same really super, super, super comfy sweatshirt and he cut the label out of it. He would never wear a shirt. And nobody associated that with sensory dressing and he was known for being scruffy. But actually Mm -hmm. what he was doing was removing those irritations. But people just thought he was just a scruffy old thing who always wore the same top Mm -hmm. because that's what he was just scruffy but actually it was because he was meeting his sensory need but it just yeah. goes to show doesn't it he's yeah. someone who's gone down in history and yeah. he had all of those challenges but what was focused on was his strengths yeah. and I'm just a really strong believer in that because yeah, I feel like I've gone through life and all of the good stuff I do is overshadowed and not even recognized because there's so much focus on conforming to society but if everybody just, you know, was really good at English, maths and science, can spell, had perfect handwriting, you know, wore certain clothes, behaved in a certain way, could you imagine the world? Like, everyone would well, we be boring. Have, you, wouldn't be boring. Have, um, <laughs> you wouldn't have half the technology we've got now. Exactly. That's it. All the art, or the music, all the amazing movies that we watch and the books that we read and all of that stuff. Because not everybody is supposed to be the same with the same personality and the same strengths and focuses and so on. It's what makes diversity and the world so amazing. But also in any list of anything you can't do, you can create a list of things you can do within that. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I do with my kids. My son doesn't like football. He struggles with all the people and the, you know, the running around and controlling the ball. But he really enjoys basketball. So I'm not going to constantly be like, oh, you can't do football. You can't do sports and put it all under sports. Yeah, okay, exactly. well, let's find something that you can do. There's loads of things that he can do. We don't focus on what he can't do. We do give him the extra support, yes. But let's mm-hmm. focus on the good stuff. Yeah. And that's yeah. just yeah. I mean, When I first um, completed Oscar's first ever EHCP, legit, the only strength I could find was that he was really fast at running. And she said, take that out. That's not relevant. I said, it is. You're not taking it out. Like, mm. you're you're not taking it out because that is something that he is really good at. Yeah. Proper fast running. Couldn't think of anything else. But obviously, when we came to the review, we got loads. But that's because he was 
really under supported under represented at like three and a half years old and was just like a scribble and it wasn't that the strengths weren't there it's that we didn't stop long enough to even find any because we were just putting out mini mm -hmm. fires all the time yeah um but yeah I, I do I am a massive reframer I think if you've got a list of stuff you can't do you can easily create a longer list of stuff you can because within every single one of them if you break them down mm -hmm. because you wouldn't struggle with the whole problem you could probably put reasonable adjustments into everything on that list and they would be massively successful at it. Yeah. But I refuse to take part in any conversations about what anyone, not just Oscar, but I don't, I'm not going to sit and take part in a conversation that includes what people can't do yeah. because that's placing a limit on them based on your understanding. You don't know what they can do. They know what they can do, but you don't. You you shouldn't assume, um, and unless it's me and tech, then you can definitely assume that I definitely can't do that, and I'm definitely. <laughs> it. Um, and it doesn't matter what what reasonable adjustments you put in, because I'm still not going to be able to do it. But um, yeah, I'll just I'll just shut it down. All the negatives, I think we're all quite good at shutting it down. Uh. Things of attention and um. Definitely. The ones that have the negatives, they don't have an understanding of it. It's like um, yesterday, Stephen Bartlett put out that podcast, didn't he? And it was mm -hmm. professor, like, professor, I need to do a post on it. And basically what he was saying was, he was like, oh, obesity causes autism, diabetes causes autism. Didn't give a study or any example of where he'd got that from. So don't know where he's found that. Why the hell they released it then? Someone as intelligent as Stephen Bartley, why the hell are you well, releasing that? It, like, I like Stephen Bartley as, as an individual, as an individual businessman. I respect him. Mm -hmm. I, he needs to stop with trying to talk about autism and ADHD because since he's decided, like, obviously he's been diagnosed with ADHD and he keeps doing things about it. And I understand it's probably an interest of his, but he's bringing on all these people who want to, like, point fingers and when you actually listen to the conversation, um, like the guy turns around at the end and he's like, well, you know, these parents that just give their kid a pill and they give them melatonin because they don't sleep. And I'm like, mate, if you have been up every hour with a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, ten-year-old who cannot sleep because they cannot get themselves regulated, you can't comment, you know. I don't know what it's like in America. I think it's a lot more accessible to be able to go to a shop and buy melatonin. Yeah, they do, yeah. A lot more accessible, whereas here, like, you have to go through sleep diaries. I had to argue with the paediatrician. Da, 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 they da, wouldn't da. even give it to Chase. Oh, well, no, they would. They refused Brody at first, and I went absolutely batshit, and then they were like, okay, you can have it. And, you know, I took Oscar in there. I was like, he's... I didn't go to that stage. I kind of just gave up. I was like, okay, fine. I took Oscar <laughs> in there. I was like, he is broken. He does not sleep in the oh. day or at night i'm not leaving here till you give me something because i i, I literally will die if i don't get any sleep that's what it took us to get tommy medication two years of fighting it got to the point i had to say it's dangerous it is to the point where he can't survive much longer like this i can't something's going to happen and there's either going to be an accident or and then mm -hmm. At the same time, obviously, we were going through assessments for EHCPs and it was all a focus on what he couldn't do. And I'm like, but you don't know and you're not giving him a fair chance yeah. because he's not sleeping. You could help with that. But I find this with, like, negative comments. It's the negative connotation from people that don't understand. Mm -hmm. And Tommy's really sensitive. So I've noticed, and it's a thing that I've got at school, they're not allowed to talk about what he can't do because he will pick up on that. And then he's like, well, I'm no good, mummy. I can't do that. And I'm like, but you can. And I will find ways that he can do it. Because I think otherwise you're limiting. It's the thing that I've noticed. Right? I was always told by friends mainly, or who I thought were friends, what I couldn't do. And then you, you are told that so often you believe it. Yeah. And then you think, mm -hmm. well, I can't do it. Why, why would I bother? I'm going to fail. And then people that don't want you to succeed or don't want your child to succeed or can't be bothered to put the work in have you exactly where they want you well yeah because yep. you you let people place limits on you you see and if you refuse yes. that conversation completely people don't place limits on you because you're not entertaining that yeah but that depends what groups you're in 
that depends on yeah. how you're brought up it depends what family you're in like charlotte you were saying you got to a certain age where you were like hold on a minute i've got a mind of my own danielle that was the experience you've you had had of those friendship groups so mm-hmm. there it was like normal yeah going going on to that documentary i watched last night watched last night about that gypsy rose she didn't even know how old she was because she didn't know any different that was her world yeah. what she lived in exactly, exactly. so yeah. flip on that is i have a child who is so overly confident with <laughs> no skills bless his heart in terms of he you know if you told him he could fly he'd believe you He's yeah. in the mirror with his little eating disorder, all skinny, going, I'm strong. And in his oh, head, strong. he believes he's like Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> with tiny little skinny <laughs> arms. And so, but I don't think that at this age, that's harmful. Right. I wouldn't, in teenage years, keep encouraging him to be like, you're amazing. You're the best thing on the planet. You're, you can do whatever you want. Because that's mm. a miseducation. But I think at this age, in the nurturing early years, I do want him to feel like he could fly to the moon in a rocket if he wants to, and that he's the strongest boy on the planet and that he's really super clever. Mm. You know, yeah. the reality of that is exactly. he can't even stand on one leg because he falls over. That's the reality of it. But in his head, he's the best boy in the world. And what a lovely thing. Oh, yeah. And then you can adapt it as they get older anyway. Yeah. So you can change it to things like you can be more than you know what you what you what people have said you are so with my kids I try to show them that actually this is the world we live in there's all these amazing things you want to do if we try really hard then Mm -hmm. there's loads that you can achieve and even a few days ago um Skepta the music artist Mm -hmm. he um wrote a tweet about being autistic yeah, and do you know what? I've been a massive fan of Skepta and his brother Jamie since I think I was like a teenager. Like from back in the day, before they were famous, I've been a massive fan of theirs. Mm. And I always got autism vibes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. As I've gotten older and now I know more about autism and I look back at him, I've always I've always had that vibe anyway. Mm. But I've just always been a really huge fan because they're North Londoners, they're Nigerian they are into the music that I you know grew up listening to and now to to have it confirmed that he's also autistic that is an amazing positive representation that I can take to my son and say look not only is he from North London like us he's Nigerian like us he's (laughs) music that we like and the same culture I said but guess what as well he's also autistic that's amazing but we don't get so many people that are willing to give us that you know positive example of things that our kids can grow up to be so I could turn around and say look at all the amazing things he's achieved and he's got so much in in common with you there's nothing saying that you can't achieve that as well and now I have an actual example of it and that's what we need more examples for kids to look and say I can be like that which is why I'm all for you know princesses from disney from all over the world and different backgrounds and all these kind of things and miles morales as spider-man do you know how happy chase was to see a spider-man that looked like him like positive representation is so important for our kids to see these examples but up until now there weren't there weren't many people who are neurodivergent speaking out and claiming it even stephen bile as much as i respect the man i do feel like we are a trending topic and it's just sometimes mm. like, is it another business model, like, or is this genuine? Because when you're then gonna release information that's not been confirmed and these ignorant comments and without any research, and we all know that it's wrong. And I, I don't care if the guys in America, you, Stephen Bartlett, are British, okay? Mm-hmm. All and not just that, but autism and neurodiversity is all over the world. So I don't give a damn what's in America. How about? you just put some facts out there have a bit of empathy like Mm. it's yeah i think it comes down to lived experience as well because you get a lot of people that may relate to that and they may have a limited knowledge to um talk about that but as long as you're always doing it within your lived experience i think people Mm -hmm. because they're so influential he's talking generically 
So He's that's different debate because people yeah. call him out and then those people that are calling him out have debate with each other. He's got to be really careful about his social footprint, I think. And well, sometimes I wonder if, if if it's all to do with getting a spotlight, though, because negative... Yeah, it's clip... What did you say? Clip bite or bait? Bait. Bite. Because me, for example, I'm not going to speak on something that I don't know about and claim it as being gospel, firstly... But secondly, Mm -hmm. even when I speak about autism and ADHD and other neurodivergent conditions and things that I go through in life, I don't put it out there as in this is this and that is that. And do you know what I mean? You always have to have a a really rounded view because it's damaging otherwise. And when you do have a platform like his, I'm not I'm not being funny. You have a duty to put the right information out there or just on it because it's dangerous. Yeah. We even had to do that, didn't we, um, Corin? Yesterday, you know, when we was talking about Arfid, I'd say we're not medical professionals. This is just uh-huh. our lived experience lived of it. Experience. Because that all should go without saying, um, anyway. But you have to say that. But even more so when you're a public figure, like mm-hmm. a lot of people listen to him. A lot of people will take everything that he says as gospel. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important that he needs to say these are my views on it, and that person's views on it. It's not. Mm. the gospel yeah the gospel because all of these things that they're discussing that it's a really vulnerable audience I mean don't get me started about vulnerable audiences but it is a really vulnerable audience and I think Mm. that if you're making a lot of money out of a business model because you're making yourself a public figure because you you know he is a clever guy Mm. maybe be a bit more clever yeah Yeah people because people are not a business so it's it's hard because if you're talking about something that's relevant to you that that's totally fine if you're talking about something that could potentially make other people feel in a certain way then you have got to be really really super careful like obviously we're all very well informed people we're very sure of ourselves we understand and we're very good at advocating for ourselves me five six years ago who didn't understand that I was autistic and going back to what you were saying about your kids when I was growing up obviously I was diagnosed so I've kind of got a slightly different slant on it I was always kind of made to feel very much like I was incompetent and I don't think a lot of it was ever intentional I think a lot of it was from a place of like oh let's protect her but it was like everyone else was allowed to do certain things but I couldn't because I might hurt myself or I might be the road or I might never. It was always assumed that I would not be able to succeed or I'd not be able to do mm-hmm. something. And I would kind of have to go out of my way to prove that I could do things. Like I'm 31 years old now and I can still remember things that happened when I was five, six, whatever, where different people have said things to me and that still impacts me now. And that's not me blaming people. It just is fact. And I think a lot of it comes from what, they were told about autism at the time and what my parents were told and they were like right this is this this is that she's never going to do this blah 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 and they carried that with them so whereas other children or like even like with my son like we're very encouraging now like he's just started dance and because like chase he's not particularly called like he's his coordination isn't great if he wanted to do football i'd put him in football regardless he's got interest in football he's got no interest in any kind of sport but he's so musical. He's very like musically inclined. He's got amazing rhythm. And mm. um, a local dance club started literally around the corner from me. And the guy's lovely. He's doing autism. He's got talent, actually, his dance teacher. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's um, Heights Dance Academy. And the guy, Drew, who runs it, he's amazing. And he's very pro-send. So when I said to him, oh, like, you know, blah, 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 about Broad, he was like, honestly, he's like, he can come and run around and it's fine. Like, we're not going to yeah. make him do stuff and they're doing a um easter performance and they're being cats um brody's like obsessed with cats he's obsessed with cats (laughs) and he's obsessed with like sylvester and sweetie and tom and jerry he loves cats and he keeps going i thought i saw a pretty cat i did i did (laughs) (laughs) it's cute he he copies sweetie he sort of jumps he goes i did i did saw a pretty cat he does it all and because they're doing um this cat thing and like the dance teacher was like there's absolutely no pressure for Brody to do the final show like I'll get on stage with him I don't mind la, la, la. like he was like whatever 
if he decides on the day he wants to do it, great. If he decides on the day he doesn't, that's no problem. Like, do you know what I mean? He's like, there's no pressure. And I was like, all right, cool. And Brody coming over, Brody, show him your um, Tweety Pie. And he'd done it. And he was like, oh, my God, we'll have to get him to do that at the beginning. And oh, I love that. Like, between us, we were like, oh, what if we could kind of get him to do that? And that would be his little role. And then they could go on and do the dance. But he still oh, has to do it. And look at that. Look at that. Nurturing is- him. But that's inclusion, yeah. right? That's inclusion. Yeah. And, you know, and that is meeting him where he is. And I think <laughs> how many other people would look at that and go, no, he has to do the dance and he has to stand there. And if he doesn't do it, do you know what I mean? And it's I'm, not the yeah. best for him. Yeah. There's no leeway. And I just think I look back at kind of like going back to the whole Steve Bartlett thing. I just think it causes so much damage because it's all right for us because we understand mm-hmm. that. There's a lot of people who grow up in cultures where, like, you know, it's not spoken about. They, um, their child might be the first autistic person they've ever met, right? Like, how bloody... Somebody struggling with weight will be then blaming themselves right? for their child's diagnosis. Yeah. Can you imagine? And well, it, it doesn't take, it, like, it doesn't take two brain cells for people to realise that. So someone as intelligent as him, that's why it's it bothers me so much because... You need to do better or just mm. and go talk about business, what you do know. Yeah. And that demographic of people who they may have just got a diagnosis for their child or they might be going down the pathway or they might not even know or whatever, that will be the demographic that goes, you know what, I don't want to label my child. Exactly. <laughs> and then they hide it and then it's a problem because they're not getting the support they need and so on and so forth. And then the cycle continues where that mm-hmm. child and unsupported and then this is why we get late diagnosis yeah yeah Stephen Bartlett do better and then you've got you know people like us women like us who are advocating for our kids Mm. and then like looking at it going here we go all that work we are doing we're now going back a bit yeah yeah someone with a big platform does something like this it does it knocks us about 10 steps back and it does there are people that are trying. You've got Christine McGinnis, you've got Katie Price, you've got Mrs. Hinch now. Mm-hmm. Skepta, now we've got Skepta, which is amazing. Kat Burns is another one. She's autistic. And she's a... mm. Burns is the singer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so she's autistic ADHD. She came out of her diagnosis, well, not long ago, actually. I'd say about six months ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, I watched um, someone on the news this morning as well. Who's those two guys? Um, they were in a group called Is It Happy Mondays? Oh, Bez and Sean Ryder. Yeah, yeah, Sean is autistic. He was talking about it this morning. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of it is to do with his. Um, I think he said his kids have all started to get like diagnosis, which then led to hit them like saying to him mm. and then him. But how amazing, like, again, just spoken about in a positive way, yeah. Rather mm-hmm. than spreading misinformation as damaging. But your your story about Brody reminded me of something that happened when Chase was in reception. Yeah. When he came up one day and his teacher stopped me and she said, the Christmas play's coming up. We want Chase to play Joseph. And I looked at her and I went, oh, even though, bearing in mind, you know what I'm like, right? I'm the one who's always pushing for the positivity. But I was just really confused by it. And I said, mm-hmm. Chase. She said, yeah, I can think of no one better. And I said... This is going to sound really bad, but can I ask why? Because obviously, you know, he's nonverbal. You know, obviously, some, he struggles with understanding um, direction and so on. And I said, and obviously, Joseph in the Christmas nativity is a big deal. And she <laughs> went, I've never met a child that's more happy and more confident and more able to do the, the part. So Chase is going to be our Joseph. Yeah. And he absolutely smashed it because they just put reasonable adjustments in place. They did extra performances and rehearsals and stuff to make sure he understood what he had to do and where he needed to be. And he just got that extra support. And he was Joseph and it was absolutely amazing because him, they they made it so that he didn't need to have any speaking parts or anything that was too much. But he was there centre stage because he had the confidence so whereas some kids may be able to do the lines and may be able to understand the direction but don't have the confidence, nice. they instead used what his positives were and it was amazing and he absolutely smashed it. So, yeah, I'm really happy that Brody School are also, there's East Dance School doing the same. So we're at the point now of the episode where we're going to be reading out a dilemma. So we asked people to send them in. Thank you so much. And uh, we're just going to pick one every week and go from there. So this is the one that kind of come through first. 
So it's, I've got no friends. It's always been so difficult for me to make friends, even at work. I'm shy and insecure and what other people think of me makes it so hard to make new friends. I don't know what to do and I feel really alone. So thank you for sending that in. She's just put 27F, so she doesn't want to be named. I always felt like I was someone who had loads and loads of friends. And so in my mind, you know, socially, I'm doing all right. But then when I got older and I started to notice when I first went to secondary school and I kind of just hid it, but it always resonated with me. And then when I become an adult and I was at work, I noticed it more that I struggle to pe speak to people that I don't know. Um, I get really anxious in situations. Um, it wasn't just shyness, but actually literally used to make me feel physically sick the thought of having, trying to speak to people and put myself out there. And the only time I really could interact with people is if they made the first move or if I was in a situation where I had to speak to people. And yeah, I've just noticed as the years have gone by that that's an issue. But then when I went for my ADHD um, and autism assessments, that's when it came out that I actually have a social anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. And when they deep dive with me back to childhood, it went right back to nursery when I used to like hide under the table initially when I first started and like just cry because I was terrified of speaking to other kids. And then when my nan used to take me to play centre, even though I loved play centre, on the days when my cousins weren't there or people that I already knew, I would again hide in the under the table in the playground and just be absolutely terrified of being there without those people who were like my comfort blankets in a way. And I still struggle with this now. There's times when I've had to go to networking events and I'm so awkward. I get really hot. I get heart palpitations and it's like the most terrifying experience for me. And going to like a friend's birthday, if they have a different group of friends to me, I'm there as their friend, but I'm really uncomfortable and not actually enjoying it because I'm so uncomfortable. Um, I've noticed that actually over time, there's so many different factors. And a lot of people say, oh, I'm just a bit shy or, oh, you know, I struggle to find something in common, but it's far deeper than that. When it is actual, you know, diagnosed like being neurodivergent can be related to rejection sensitivity or um, social anxiety disorders and, you know, certain interests that you struggle to find being related to other people with certain things like autism and so on. And sometimes it's about breaking it down and finding ways to cope in a way. So like, I prefer to be in situations when I've got a plus one, because they're my comfort. I won't go somewhere by myself unless I really have to. And having those kind of things really do help. Um, yeah, that's, that's what helps me basically so I take mm -hmm. take tea or a friend with me everywhere I go <laughs> I think slow exposure as well you know it can be really overwhelming can't it new social experiences so I think slow exposure and I think only slowly expose yourself in really safe spaces so you know there are a lot of groups online you can create friendships with build on those get your confidence up get used to speaking to people in an area where you can shut that down if you want. I don't think socialising has always got to be about getting ready and leaving your safe space. I think you can socialise really safely online in safe groups and build your confidence up. Um, and I think you have to kind of trust the universe a bit. Your people are your people. Don't go out of your way to people, please. Don't, you know, because... I think it's about networking and one person will lead you to another person, I think. Don't force it. Retain, I think, your boundaries with that because, you know, people that are very vulnerable, they are open to um, being, you know, verbally abused or mistreated and those experiences tend to lead on to another one and then you can get into a very negative cycle so I would say don't rush social experiences mm -hmm. slow exposure and maybe you know uh things that have been recommended to you that other people have tried like I went to this group it was really good I found you know and ask them about their experiences and then measure or not whether you think that's all right with you rather than doing something that's 
a bit dynamic that you might put yourself at risk. Mm-hmm. I think going slow is be- is better and, and having a bit of a structure there so that you don't become overwhelmed because overnight you could have 10 friendships and you might not feel safe in them and then you could end up being coerced or becoming part of something that is perhaps some part of something that's bigger than you think and become involved in things that you don't want to become involved in because a lot of the social stuff as well it's not policed no you know so you have to i think go on good recommendation of someone that's trusted before you join a group and also can i just say don't ever agree to meet anybody online that you don't know Mm. as well because i think the safety elements are there to you know you have to have those it doesn't go without saying that we're we're safe um and and also like you said charlotte take someone with you no one's got to go anywhere on their own even if you took someone with you and you said look i want to make out that i'm on my own but i want you there in the room yeah yeah it's not about being taken somewhere like you're a child it's about knowing that that support is there if you need it yeah, yeah, but not just that. Some people obviously don't have someone to take as a plus one because obviously I can only speak from my personal experience. And there's times when I really want to go somewhere and I don't have anyone to go with me. And so I just don't end up going. But I think it's really important to recognise what the actual barrier is for you in specific social um, environments because there are times when I literally am really shy, really uncomfortable and having a panic attack because I'm so anxious and not enjoying the social experience but other times when I could be the most outgoing confident person in the room because it's a different type of social setting so like if I'm going somewhere for a purpose like to run one of my workshops I'm totally fine because I'm there to fulfill something and I'm there to support people and help them so it's like I have a role that I'm there for whereas other times when I feel like I need to initiate a conversation or it's different so it's really hard it's one that's always kind of bugged me because I'm like why is it that I can run my coffee mornings and run a workshop and I'm like literally so confident and fine but then you put me in a totally different situation where I don't even have to speak to that many people I don't even have that responsibility I can literally hide in a corner and I'm terrified and it doesn't quite make sense to me but the only way that I can kind of understand it a little bit is that I've got a role in that situation and it takes away that barrier Some people might, you know, it might just be because they're in an an environment that's unfamiliar to them or having a plus one or maybe they have sensory aversions and that, but always try to break it down. What is it that is causing that for you? And then try and understand that individual part of the issue has is what's helped me, really, because I just used to just get on with it and just be an absolute quivering mess all the time when I didn't need to be definitely I think another important thing is to find groups and people that get you instead of trying to maybe go to a a group locally that you you might not like um and I I find that my social anxiety side will drop if I'm talking to people who have the same interests as me and have that same life in a way um I mean I uh, my growing up I literally had one best friend through the whole of school and we had a very on and off friendship um I found that you know I didn't really engage with people um as such, I was kind of the one that would just sit there and uh, everyone would talk and I'll just be the ones. They'd be like, oh, it's just covering. Like, I never felt included, but that was because I struggled to engage with others. Um, and that and it does have a lasting effect, but I think the older you get um, and the more you understand who you are, the way you think, the way our minds are, you accept that that's part of it um and that you don't have to have you know a big valley of friends like you know 20 odd 30 odd friends to be happy and until you find your people like I think I definitely have the past year it's made me a lot happier um and it's taken 29 years to do that (laughs) so you know it's never too late and um my advice would be to not force 
yourself to go into situations if you don't feel comfortable you know you are allowed to say no you're allowed to you know as I always say no is a sentence full sentence you do not have to someone you know I'll be like oh do you want to come out with us to the cinema and you pop you know you might not want to go you don't have to go and that's that's what I'm kind of trying to get out here um that it's okay to have your own time and find people that just get it really yeah. You know what something you did say that resonated with me though, and it kind of brought back memories, um, is also I think perception. So sometimes in certain situations, especially with things like rejection sensitivity, we might not feel included or feel like we're one of the group, or like we might feel like we're a bit of an outsider, whereas other people will have a different view and think, What are you talking about? Of course you were part of. And yeah. I know that a lot of my friends would think that, you know what you 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 have these feelings or they'd be really shocked sometimes to hear me express myself in this way because I've always kind of masked it but I've always just been comfortable around the friends that have happened to be mine whether it be I've had one friend that I'm close to and they've been the one that's outgoing and then they then brought extra people into the group and yeah. have become my friends by default without the barriers that make me uncomfortable, which meant that in certain situations, there have been times when I have had really good, big groups of friends. But it's only really as an adult where I look at it and think, if you were to take away all of my friends, I would really struggle to make a friend because I can't. I've always had kind of almost like enablers that have kind of assisted without realising. But mm. I remember being at school and thinking how uncomfortable and awkward I felt and not wanting to engage in getting with the groups, even though from the outside, you look in and think that I was always around groups mm. and like popular kids and all that kind of stuff. But to me, I felt so out of place, but I just mm. never shared that. I just hid it. And mm. it only really, again, when I was doing my assessments and, you know, like they ask you questions, a really deep dive and make you think, and they ask you questions in a way where you think about how you felt in those moments and what, experiences you had even my mum turned to me and she was like I never knew any of that I never knew that you used to go to play center and hide and cry I never knew that you had these panic attacks when you were in social settings and so on but it's because we hide it masking and which is probably why a lot of us are late diagnosed as well mm -hmm. the re rejection sensitivity is definitely a, a huge part of it you got your toy wow um, it is a huge part, and I think I'm pretty sure rejection sensitivity is probably one of the main reasons why we struggle yeah. to to make them friendships. In fact, it probably is the only reason <laughs> because it's that whole they're not gonna like me. They're gonna think this of me. They're gonna assume I'm like this, and it stops you. Yeah. The thought during and after when you, do your, you when you pick back when you do your little review post review of oh oh I said too much or I said this or did I do that or was I making the right facial expressions and how did I come across and da, da, da. and then I'm just like oh next time I'm just not going to bother. You aren't even thinking that you've done anything weird or wrong. You're yeah. deciding they don't want to be friends with me. So I wonder how much of it is that like have people actually said to you I don't want to be friends with you or mm -hmm. are you pushing it away subconsciously? <laughs> you're already kind of preempting a bit of rejection the other thing i was going to say as well is actually don't underestimate the importance of enjoying your own company and actually yeah. themselves. because when i was growing up kind of similar to you Shah, where i actually was in a big friendship circle and um i kind of felt like i was kind of on the peripheral of it but i i think if you said that to any of them they'd be like no no no, no that's not true yeah. i felt like that and I've had one best friend from when I was about four. We're still best friends. She's going to be my bridesmaid at my wedding. Um, and I was her bridesmaid at hers. Um, but everyone else has kind of dipped in and out, dipped in and out. And I used to find as well, like my friendships would kind of blow up very drastically. Like everything would be fine. And all of a sudden there'd be this like dramatic blow up. And I'd be like, what the fuck? That's and it just would have happened. So, um, Hang on, I'm going to mute now. Yeah, fine. Oh, look at him. Oh, Hello. <laughs> I love his hair so much. He's a little man bun. I know, I let me talk. <laughs> I'm going to mute now. Where's Luke? So we at? <laughs> he's, sent, he's got to pick the boys up. He just left oh, him well, I'll let him off. I'll let him right. off. Should we say goodbye? Goodbye. Oh, bye-bye, darling. So cute. <laughs>
<laughs> but um yeah no but I think also like if you're feeling lonely there is a lot to be said for actually feeling comfortable in your own skin and feeling comfortable in your own company yeah and I actually really enjoy just being on my own now so but, do I and I, th- I never before I always used to feel like and I feel like it was because it was forced on me is that getting into your 30s or is that um an age thing or is that just becoming a mum I think it's finally giving myself what I probably needed at certain times because I almost kind of felt a pressure, like a social pressure, and it's exhausting, where I have to be doing something. I have to be around people. Why am I by myself? I'm not supposed to be kind of like it was almost forced on me, whereas now I'm like, I love being at home by myself and enjoying my own company. And the problem is that, I have now lost friends because of it. Not necessarily even lost them, like we've fallen out, but they've just fizzled out because I am terrible on the phone. I'm terrible with my phone, as you know. (laughs) And sometimes I just need to stop. And I kind of put myself under pressure that's made me ill to the point where I didn't need to and I shouldn't have. But now I'm finally at a point where actually, as Corinne said, no is a full sentence and now I will just say no actually do you know what I think I should probably stay home because that's better for me um but I do also try my best obviously because I love when I'm around my friends I love them and I miss them and I love spending time with them but I also do need to prioritize with obviously living for us it's bloody exhausting the responsibilities and the staying on top of things and everything else that we've got to do trying to then factor in friendships and the time to communicate and meet up and all of these other things I find really difficult because other stuff then gets missed if that makes sense so I always now as a mum have to prioritize what I have to do but it's hard because I do want to still maintain my friendships I'm just trying to do it I guess in a a healthy way mentally all we have time for today on the unfiltered podcast if you enjoyed this episode please rate and subscribe as it helps us get seen uh you can follow us on instagram and tiktok at unfiltered her and you can also join our patreon our patreon is five pounds a month and in that you get exclusive blogs podcasts bonus episodes and q a's of us all all the links for those are in the show notes i hope you enjoyed the episode and remember that the her is no longer silent Thank you for listening and make sure to like and subscribe.